All right, we're so glad you're here. If this is your first week with us over the last four weeks, we've been in this series called I Choose. And it's talking about the reality that our life is really a, a sum collection of the decisions that we've made. And how ridiculous would it be to sit down at a table and order and ask for, I want to be overwhelmed. I want to be frazzled. I want to burn the candle at both ends. It seems ridiculous to watch. But man, hasn't our life easily turned into that many times in many seasons? And we know that it's our decisions that are driving us there. And we need to analyze and we need to look at what God has to say about how to order and how to live our life. And we need to practice it. And I want to tell you that today, today's message is so simple. And in fact, as I was talking through with our band, uh, one of the, the girls in it, she said, I taught that, that scripture to our preschool class this last week. And I'm like, man, great, we're sharing content with the preschool class. But you know, the Bible, it hits us at all ages. But I just want to say, you know, most of America, most of the American church, we're theologically trained beyond our current level of obedience, this is something simple. This is something that you already know. Don't check out on me because you know this. I'm not asking you today, do you know this? I'm asking you today, do you live this? Is this flowing out of your life? Is this active? Is this how you're ordering your steps? It's easy to check out and say, okay, I know this passage. I've heard this passage. Don't check out. Ask the questions. Pretend like it's your wife's voice or your husband's voice inside your head saying, I know what you're doing, all right? Apply this, because this is powerful, and out of these kind of decisions flow our spiritual life, flow our personal health. And so this is simple, and this is critical, and we need this. And as I was working through preparation for this message, it struck me, like it convicted me. And so I believe that it's going to encourage you today if you'll lean into what God has to say. And, and it's connected out of this truth that how many of you guys, and, and participate with me, how many of you guys have said some version of this sentence, I wish I had more time to spend with the kids, go fishing, yeah, yeah, clean up the house, um, spend time with friends, travel. I wish I had more time to serve. This is a common thing. This is a tension that we all live in and something that we all feel. And, and, but we don't have time to do those things because we're busy washing the dishes, but there's diapers to be changed, there's responsibilities around the house, there's stuff from work that I gotta finish up at home, there's notifications that are popping in on my phone that I gotta check and respond to. There's so many things that come in that are urgent that feel like this just has to be dealt with right now before the important stuff, and we just end up dealing with urgent, 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 until we're all out of time and there's no time left over for the important. And, and if I were to ask you in passing, as a lot of us do, as you're coming into church, you ask me, hey, how are you doing? The common response, and man, I'm guilty of giving this response so many times, oh, we're, we're busy, we're busy, that's how we're doing. Uh, but, but the fact is, you know, when we ask that, I've never had someone say, oh, you know, we're really good, spending tons of time with the kids, everything's relaxed right now, and, and our culture has moved so far into this end of being busy with the urgent that, that it's just become part of our common greeting to each other. How are you doing? I'm busy. Okay, yeah, me too, we're busy too. And, and, and we go on being busy with a lot of things that don't even really, really matter. And it reminded me of this saying that I, Charles Stanley is famous for saying, Corrine Ten Boom is another person who wrote about it and said this statement, and it's just this truth in our spiritual life that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. And some of us, we're spiritually unproductive right now, not because we're doing anything dangerous or damaging, 
we're just not doing anything that's really productive. We become so busy with some things that don't matter and some things that don't have a place in our life right now. But these things have pushed out the important, pushed out the the things that matter. And as I talk today, I'm going to be talking about important versus urgent. And part of your mind say, well, if it's urgent, is it important? Well, well, sometimes, but there is a differentiation between the two. There, there's things that, are, that, that become urgent because we didn't deal with something that was important. Like if, you're, if you have a business and you have an angry customer, dealing with that angry customer, that's urgent. You've got to deal with that right away, right? But creating systems in your business to where you're not making your clients angry, that's something that's important that you might put off and you, that, that you might not do. In the example of cars, getting your engine repaired if it's broken down, that becomes urgent. It's interrupting your life. But it's important to get your oil changed on a regular basis. If you don't deal with the important, it can actually create urgent things that interrupt your life. If you're getting sick, going and getting help, it's urgent. But taking care of yourself so you don't get sick, that's something that's important. And if you choose what is important, you won't deal with as many things that are urgent. But the opposite's not true. If we just live in the land of urgency, then we're going to find ourselves pushing the important further and further out in our life. We're going to look in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10 today. If you have your Bibles, you can open up with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter, chapter 10. We'll project the words on the screen as well, and we're going to start at verse 38. And it's the story of two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, if you've hung around any church from any age, you've heard this story. Because honestly, this story, it translates over from generation to generation. Everyone feels and understands what happened in this story. Even children, they get the sense of what they should have been doing, what they shouldn't have been doing in this story. And I'm going to start at verse 38, and I'm going to go back and forth to the passage a few times today. So you can keep your Bible handy, but we'll have the words up here on the screen. Starting at verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, to put yourself in and to be fair to Martha to put yourself in her shoes of saying, there's someone coming over to my house right now. We, we know what it's like to try to clean the house up, and we know what it's like in the relationship to try to clean the house up when someone's dropping by unexpectedly, don't we? Especially when that person is an important person. Now we're talking about not just an important person, but we're talking about Jesus, the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, like the person, Jesus Christ, stopping to the house. I understand the internal tension that Martha could feel. And if you've ever been running around yelling at each other, clean this up, you know, throw this out. Like, it reminded me of that, that video that went viral for a little bit. I think it was a couple years ago. It reminded me of it, so I had to show it to you. If cleaning the house with Gale, if you remember this video, we're going to watch a minute of this real quick. Because I want to make sure you feel what, it, now, what it's like. Now, now, people. I want this place looking like Disney on ice in one minute. Terry, if you haven't made your bed, throw it away. It's too late to make it now. Company is coming. Get rid of the couches. We can't let people know we sit. The chairs need to be pushed in. There cannot be any sign of living in this house. I don't care if we have to throw everything out. I want this place looking like a new Mediterranean fusion restaurant by noon. David! We cannot have beds. We need more pillows. I, David. I cannot stress this enough. I need those things looking pumped. 
I need those things looking fluffed. I want the toilet looking like one of those chairs from the Men in Black headquarters. We need more bird feeders. I need a bird feeder in every window. Knobs. David put seashells on the doorknobs. We can't have any clothes. Everybody take off your clothes. David, this is a dish towel. We need a hand towel. What are we, barbarians? But it's too late. Oh! David, there's muffins on the counter. Muffins, there's muffins. All right, hopefully it hasn't been that intense around your house, but like, we, you know, just throw the beds away. It's too late to make them like that, that spastic. Like everything has to get done. It's all so urgent. And, and whatever else is happening in the house, whatever else is felt in the house, right now it doesn't matter because the only thing that's urgent is getting the house perfect for company. And in this situation, you know, Jesus is already in the house. And Martha is, is trying to get things done. And she comes and she tattles on her sister and says, she's not doing anything to help me. And we have all this stuff that needs to get done. And, and Jesus ha has an interesting response because a lot of people read this passage and probably say, yeah, Mary, you need to step up and you, you need to do this. But that wasn't Jesus' response in this situation. And Martha, while she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, it's obvious that there was another option of what she could have been doing with her time. But even though everything felt so urgent on her heart and it felt so important, Mary was the demonstration that there was something else that she could have been doing. And Martha was distracted by all these things. And, and it, it reminds me of so many times where I'm in the, in the middle of what should be an, an important moment, uh, of something that this should have my full attention, and then my pocket makes a sound. And, and something suddenly feels urgent. I have to check what that is right away, even though right now I'm in the middle of an important conversation with my wife, important conversation with my kid. Even though right now I know that I should be right here, man, that buzz, it's just, it's drawing me in, it feels so urgent, and so I have to grab my phone and check it. And, and I'm not gonna harp on technology because I use it, it's a great tool, but I'm gonna say that in our generation, this is hugely out of control, to, to the point where the children are noticing it. This was another thing that, that went viral recently. There was a second grade teacher who assigned a writing prompt to her second grade class and had them write a small couple paragraphs about what is one invention that you wish was never created. And as a second grader, I think I would have been like broccoli. Like, I don't know if that's an invention, but I wish that was never created. Chores. Like, like there's so many things that would probably pop into a second grader's mind to write about. But four of the kids... Four of the children in this second grade class all wrote on the same topic. She shared, the teacher shared one of the pictures from one of the kids, and I've got the graphic up here for you. And they said, I wish cell phones were never created. And in fact, in here it says, I don't like the phone because my parents are always on their phone every day. I hate my mom's phone, and I wish she never had one. I can't even imagine the way that would take the wind out of you as a parent for that letter to come home in your kid's folder. And maybe it's phones in your life, maybe it's something else. I mean, it, it, it's just the question is, are we letting something that feels so urgent, and I understand how urgent it feels when something pops up on the phone, but even second graders are looking at this and saying, I don't like this. I don't like what this does with my mom and my dad. Sometimes things that are urgent are not important. 
And we need to value what's important and what's going on in the situation over the thing that's just hopping in and trying to distract us from, from that, that moment. I think a lot of us have been faithfully pursuing the urgent and just totally missing the important. In verse 41, it continues on, and Jesus responds to what Martha had to say. And he said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Some of you guys, this might be you, this might be someone you know, but like if they had a life verse, like a passage that best sums up who they are right now, you are worried and upset about many things. We know this person. We've been this person. Our life has been described that way, but we don't want to stay there. And the truth is, the anxiety that Martha was feeling, it wasn't just about the house. I mean, Jesus looked into her heart and he said, there's many things that are going on right now but very few things are needed, or indeed there's only one thing that's needed. You're anxious about all the things you need to do, but there's just one thing you should be focusing on. And I think that as we dial this in, because once again, we know this, this lives in our head, this importance of valuing you know, the things that matter over the things that are urgent, we know this is in our head, but I wanna dial this down to the personal level as, as we get into this and, and say, what is an area right now that is important in your life, that has been, been pushed out by, by the, the gravity of the urgent stuff? What is an area that you need to dial into? Some of you guys, it, it might be your physical health. You've said, you know, I'll exercise later when I have time. And you know that scripture tells us, you know, our body is the temple of God and we have to care for it. And we've been putting that off. And, and some of you guys, it's your physical health. And God would say, I want you to step forward in that area. Some of you guys, it's your marriage. You know, we'll have a date night again. We'll go on that trip together when we have time. And the urgent has just said, there's no time for that. Some of you guys, it needs to be your marriage that you dial into. Some of you, it's your, it's your personal relationship with God. That, that it's just been so busy. It's the, the mornings have been so crazy that I just haven't, haven't opened my Bible in months. I'm not even sure where it's at. And, and, and you've just pushed that to the side because of what's felt urgent. And, and I, don't, I didn't, don't need to go through all the categories because I think that when we're honest with, with ourselves and we just ask God and say, God, what is the area of my life that I need to focus on, that I need to stop letting the urgent push it away? What is the important thing that I need to grow in right now? I, I think that that populates in your mind really quickly. And, and it is not ever my intent to, to say, hey, here's an area and you're terrible about it. Have a great week. Like that's not my heart as a pastor. But, but I want to be... I want to be honest with the fact there's areas we need to grow in. We need to identify those areas, and and I want to give you guys a couple tools. There's three things that I believe as you identify that area, there's three things that if if you look at it through this scope, that it's going to help you grow in that area. There's three tools that I want to give you today, and if you have that area in your mind, we're we're going to step into how how to not be a Martha in our life, how, how to not let the urgent pull us away from the things that matter most. And the first, the first tool that I'd want to give you to help make sure you're putting what's important ahead of what feels urgent is to create artificial deadlines. And this is just super practical, but th- this is something that will impact your spiritual life if you utilize it. And you'd say, what is an artificial deadline? Well, an artificial deadline is an artificial deadline. 
It's a deadline that is, it is fake because, you know, in, in my world, you know, one of the things that's hugely important in my life is preparing the message, preparing the sermon for the week. And when is that due? Technically, it's due at 9.21 a.m. when I deliver this message to our volunteers who are here on a Sunday. But I don't want to be finishing my message up to then, and so I have an artificial deadline that by Tuesday, 10.30 a.m. before our team meeting, that my message needs to be done because it's important to have it done early. And so I have an artificial deadline and it helps me. If you've ever gone on a vacation in the middle of your work week and you say, after Wednesday, I have to leave. Isn't there something amazing that happens with all of your work that you normally do Monday through Friday? That, that this work that normally takes you five days, if you know that you're leaving on Wednesday and you have this artificial deadline, all of your work is done by Wednesday because you know I have to get this done ahead of time. I have to prioritize the things that I'm going to do, and I have to make sure that I'm ready to, to go out on that trip. And some, sometimes it's those big things like work. Sometimes it's the little things. With my kids, I've given them an artificial deadline. I get them ready for school every day. Getting three girls ready for school can be a challenge for a dad. But 7.40 a.m., they know they have to be ready so that we can leave at 7.50 a.m. So that when things go wrong, as they do, there, there's margin because I've created this artificial deadline. And so by, by beginning to do that, it changes the way that we order our day. It changes the way that we order our, our week when we say, okay, this needs to happen by here, even though I know I could probably do it later in the day. Because that's what happens. We're like, we have all day. I'll open my Bible and I'll read and I'll spend time with God and I have so much different time today. It'll just fall into one of those categories. But if we don't create and say, this needs to happen by 8 a.m., by, by 6.30 a.m., if we don't say it's going to happen here, we know that these urgent pulls of the day just keep it from ever happening. Artificial deadlines, they, they help us organize our day. You know, I leave the office at 4 p.m. every day. And, and for me, because I know I'm going to leave then, even though I could work later, um, I, I know that because I'm going to leave then, I have to fit this work in, and it makes me organize my day because I have this time where I say I know that I'm going to leave. And, and the, the truth that you and I know is that every single day, there's always more work that we could do, right? And that's why we don't say, I'm going to leave work when the work is all done, because the work is never all done. And, and we have to be able to put these healthy limits on our day and say, I'm going to do this up until this point, and then I'm going to stop. And it helps us get the important things done, the things that have to be done, ahead of those urgent emails and things that pop in that really can wait another day. Ha having these artificial deadlines, they help us make faster decisions, they help us delegate better, and they help us say no to things that we need to say no to. Because kind of connected to that is the second tool, is that we need to start being ruthlessly selective in our yeses. And, and our life, our barrier to a meaningful life, it's not this lack of commitments, but it's overcommitment, is it? Isn't it? The thing that's keeping us from really doing the significant things that we want to do, it's not that we haven't said yes to anything significant, it's that we've said yes to so many things that are insignificant. We've said, yes, I, I will be this responsive on my text message, email, Facebook Messenger, on Instagram, on Snapchat, on all these different means of communication. I'll be prompt in replying to all of them at the same, almost immediately, and, and it pulls us away from being able to focus on any given task that's in front of us. And it pulls us away from the relationships around with the people who matter most to us. We, we've said yes to doing too many things, being involved in too many things. And, and we don't need a better to-do list to have, a, have an, a meaningful life. We need to have a better to-don't list. And, and I'd say that that's one of the challenges for you right now, is you probably need to look at your schedule and the things that you're doing and the habits that you've formed. Not just formal commitments, but things that are habits that you go through this pattern every day. You need to look at it and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. 
I'm not going to read Yahoo News every time that my browser window opens. I'm not going to reply to my Facebook messages every time a notification comes to my phone. I'm not going to respond to the thing that feels urgent and tries to interrupt my day when I know that I should be committing my time right here. We need to be ruthlessly selective in our yeses in the things that we say we're going to do. And, and, and we can learn a lesson from other leaders in the fact that the best leaders, they don't do more, they do more of what matters. The best moms, they don't do more, they do more of what matters. The, the best teachers in the school, they don't do more than the other teachers, they do more of what matters. And we, we need to realign our priorities and, and our actions together in the same area. Because we've, we've committed to doing a lot of things that don't matter, a lot of things that, that aren't right for the situation because that's what happened with Martha, isn't it? It's not that Martha was doing something that's wrong. She was cooking and she was cleaning and she was making preparations for other people. That's a great thing to do, but it was the wrong time to do it because Jesus was in the house right then. She could have been sitting at the feet of Jesus learning with Mary right then. There is a right time for each thing and doing the a right thing at the wrong time makes it become the wrong thing. We need to be able to say no to things that don't have that order in our life, that, that don't belong in that part of our day. And when we order our day, we know that we feel less pressure and that we get more done. When we order what is important to happen first, we know that all the other things line up better, which is the third tool, the third thing that I want you to look at this week in regards to that area that you know that you need to grow in, that you need to step forward in, is this third point, do first what matters most. Do first what matters most. What, what Martha was doing wasn't wrong, but that wasn't the time to be doing it. There was something that took priority. Luke says what matters most is time at the feet of the master. He said that Mary has chosen something better. And Jesus said it will not be taken away from her. A source of our problems is not it is that we aren't doing what matters first. We aren't aligning our heart with the heart of God at the beginning of our day. I, I, if you've been around church for a little bit, you, you, you know this. I mean, we know this in our head, but it just doesn't always play out to our actions. That if I start my day off getting my heart right with God, that every Every hiccup, every speed bump, every challenge in my day, it becomes a little bit easier if I've got my heart right with God that morning. That if I've spent time with him, it's like everything else just, just goes right. I mean, it's, it all goes back to that core promise that, that Jesus gave us, is seek first the kingdom of God and everything else you need will be added. But there, there is a priority. There, there is an ordering that should happen. We seek first him and then the other things get added but there's this tension that though scripture says seek first the kingdom of God, our life lives out, fit him in last and cut him out first. This is something that we can change. With God's help, this is something that we can adjust. And you know that it's a very simple step to, to begin to do this. And we as a church, we don't want to just blindly say, hey, go out there and figure out how to fix this. But we want to come alongside you in every way we can. And if you've never grabbed one of these off of our table out there, um, this is a great Sunday to do it. This is what we call a soap guide. And soap is a method to personally studying scripture on your own. And when you do this, you're gonna hear from God. And if you've never stepped into this before, it's an amazing thing because you'll open scripture and you'll be like, man, it is like God just spoke to me like this is a word that I needed or it's something that'll stick out in your head and your heart as you read it and you'll face a challenge that you weren't expecting that day and you'll know from the wisdom of the word of God that this is how I have to navigate this. 
And, and what this method is, is it's just a scripture, and it tells you, you know, write down in your journal a verse or two that stands out to you. Observation, write down a few observations about scripture you just read. What do you think God is saying through the scripture? Application, personalize what you have read by asking yourself how it applies to your life right now. What steps might God want you to take to apply this right now? And then prayer, write down a prayer, a personal message from you to God based on what you just learned. And then on the inside, it's got one chapter per day that corresponds with the date of the month. And one of the cool things about this is that if you step into this, other people from Gulfside are on the same schedule, and while you're volunteering with someone in setup or in children's or in greeting, you can say, hey, I've been reading this, and this encouraged me. They say, hey, I've been in the same chapter because I'm following the plan, and it provides some really cool encouragement. But whatever way you go, whether it's soap guide or some other method that you use of connecting with God on a daily basis, getting in his word on a daily basis, we need to prioritize that because we know that it lines everything else up properly. And we need to set aside the distractions, the things that pull us away from that. We know, we know what we need to do, but we need to begin to take the practical steps to live it out. And we can make excuses or we can make progress, but we can't make both. And progress, man, I'm not saying jump into being perfect. I'm saying just move, just take a step. That, that I'm gonna set an alarm in my phone that at 7.30 a.m. I'm gonna open up my Bible app and I'm gonna read a short amount. Take a step. If it's the marriage, then you know it, we need to work on our marriage. We haven't been going out on date nights. Then I'm gonna block off this Thursday night and, and we're gonna go out and we only have 45 minutes and so we're gonna grab fast food, but man, it's a step forward. All right? I understand you may not be able to get the weekend away right now with your spouse. It doesn't matter. Step forward. Write a note. Step forward. Start doing push-ups in your room if it's about getting in better shape. We know that what we need to do, but we need to prioritize what is important and not be controlled by what is urgent. Do first what matters most. Sometimes we have to say no to the urgent to spend time on the important. And in, in my own house, you know, I've felt the times and the tension where it's like, oh, we just have to get everything ready, and, you know, we're barking back and forth at each other, and, and we love to host. We love to host. And in our own household with four kids, it's hard to get a house ready to, to make it, you know, so, so that when you sit down on the couch, you're not sitting down on toy cars. Like, I mean, it's, it's a challenge where I live. And so we felt the tension. But what is important about having someone over, and this is something that we've walked through in our own marriage, it's not that the house is perfect. It's that the time is spent with the people. And even though there's that internal urge that, man, I just want, uh, I want the shoes to be lined up the way I want them to be. I want the cushions to be just perfect on the couch. I want the expensive guest candle to be lit, the candle that we only light when other people are there. I want the praise and worship music to be on because people are at the pastor's house after all. There should be praise and worship music on in the background somewhere. And we want all those things to be perfect. But we have to realize, even though there's this urge and this tension and this stress, we have to realize what's important not just what feels emotionally urgent. So if you come hang out at our house, you know, there's going to be some clothes on the floor. There's going to be a half-naked Barbie laying somewhere. And there will be toy cars from Disney all around the house because my son is nuts about toy cars from, from the movie Cars. Like, it's not going to be perfect. But we'll sit down together and we'll grab a drink out of the fridge and we'll talk. And we'll talk about what God is doing in our life. And we'll continue, each one of us in our own way, step forward in the directions that God is calling us to live.
We're going to keep trying to put what is important ahead of what is urgent. But I believe that it really does come down in this simple, simple, this topic is just so basic. But it comes down to a simple area of saying, this is how I'm going to step forward in this area. This is how I'm going to put the important over the urgent. It's like I said at the beginning, you know, our life, what it is right now, is some collection of the choices that we're making. And this week ahead of you, what choices are you going to make to put the important ahead of the urgent? And, and I believe what I've experienced, when we put God first, he lines all those things up. And if you're new around Gulfside Church, I, I, I'd encourage you, one of the things that I've found in my own life, and I've seen it time and time again in other people, you might be here saying, you know, I, I'm new to who God is. And I'd say one of the most important choices that you need to make is saying, God, I know that you're there, and I believe that your son, Jesus, he died on the cross for my sins, and that he rose from the grave to show that you gave him victory over sin and death. And I believe, and I want forgiveness that is only found in him, so, so begin your work. Some of you guys today, you might be needing to make a choice. Say, I'm no longer gonna be in charge, but God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this your way, and I'm gonna let you work in my life in the way that you want to. Our life, it's a some collection of those choices. And if you haven't made a choice to put God on the throne of your life, to give him authority over how you live, I say that's the most important choice that you can ever make. And when you make that choice, I believe he says, I will add all those things that you need. I will give you strength to make those decisions. But it all comes back to what we will choose. Band, if you guys will make your way back up on the stage, I'm gonna close in prayer. And, and I wanna encourage you, it might feel so basic to say, God, this is what I'm gonna do. It might feel so basic to feel like, God, I feel like I should get in better shape or I should take my spouse on a date or I should start reading my Bible or, or I need to start ordering my finances in a way that honors you um, and, and not let things just be out of control. It might feel so basic, but, it, but obedience in any one area, it grows into all the other areas of who you are as a person. So faithfully chase after whatever it is that God's putting on your heart today and I believe that you'll see him open up these amazing new doors in so many areas of your life. Father, I pray for every person in here today who has a sense from you of an area that they need to grow in. And I pray that you would give them courage, that you would give them strength to obey what you're asking them to do. For anyone in here who say it, would say, I'm just, I've been living for myself I have pushed God out of my life or I've just been so busy that I haven't even thought about him. But I know that today I need to place my life in his hands. I pray that you would give them courage to just say yes to you today. That as we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth that, that he raised from the dead and that he is our savior. Scripture promises that we will be saved that everyone who calls out on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means you and that means me. So Father, for that person, I just pray that you would give them your peace. Help them to feel that your spirit and your presence is with them even now. As we face decisions this week, Lord, give us the wisdom to see, are we doing what is important or are we being controlled by what feels urgent? Help us to be like Mary, who will sit at your feet hear from you and live this life for you.
We thank you for your love today. In Jesus' name.